time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody, and Happy New Year. It is Monday, January 4th, 2021. It's so good to have you back here with us in the new year. Happy New Year. Hope you had a great holidays. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And again, we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment to you is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. Today, we have joining us Dr. Michael Frattentoni, who is the Chief Economist and Senior Vice President of Research and Industry Technology. And we're going to be discussing his economic forecast. 2021. Really looking forward to that and uh, talking about what we have to look forward to in the new year. We do that every year and he's gracious to join us in every one of our podcasts at the beginning of the year. So stay tuned. We're going to have him on at the Hot Topic segment. I want to say thank you to the Industry Syndicate. We're pleased to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts on industrysyndicate.com as well as mortgagemedia.com. Pleased to have a partnership with both of these organizations and they invite us in because we're the granddaddy, which means we're the oldest out there. At 70 years old, maybe I am the oldest podcaster out there in a while. We've been doing the podcast for a number of years and it's great to have you with us. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, MPA, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. We've got Michael Frantoni on today. We had Marina Walsh on in September 14th. Did a great job talking about what the cost is. We're looking at where things are added with the organizations, the cost structure, the underwriting salaries, all salaries across the board. So we'll get Marina back on and give us an update on that. Also, I was just talking to Finastra, who will be our guest next week, talking about some of our recent survey that Finastra did. Again, Finastra is the third largest fintech company in the world. They do a great job with a mortgage box fusion system that they have. They also have a new product we're going to be talking about and a survey. So be sure to stay tuned for next week's podcast. Also, we want to say thank you to two collaboratives that are out there. Lenders One, one of the original ones. And we're pleased to be members of that. Justin Demolio was on in June talking about that. We'll be getting him back on, talking about all that's going on with Lenders One, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. We had Tom Gallucci on. Again, congratulations to Tom being promoted to Senior Vice President. He was on on December 7th. Really appreciate both of these organizations we get to be a part of. They do a great job of helping members get up close and personal with each other. They've got peer surveys and things like that. You know, either one of these organizations do not replace the membership of the MBA folks. Let me be really, really clear on this. What these two organizations do is give you a chance to get in a tighter community. So I'm a big proponent of both organizations. If you had to choose, you got to choose the MBA, of course. But if you have the ability, and I think everyone should, consider being a member of one or both of these co-ops. Also, we had Michael Jones, the current president with CMLA, who is on on September. Also, Indicom, who has a great job providing automation, outsourcing, and compliance solutions to the mortgage industry. We had Linda Bomar on. That was August 31st. Also, Accelerate. We had Josh Friend on in August. Again, all the technology. I was talking to one of my clients this morning. The key is keeping your costs down, but using the right technology. You've got to check out Accelerate and what Josh Friend has developed on working with borrowers, helping you get up close and personal engagement with them. They had a great tool there, as well as Innovian. I love what Ted Kramer has created, was doing your secondary marketing. They optimize your pricing and your executions 
Go back and listen to the interview we did with Ted Kramer on December 14th. It was a real good interview and answered a lot of questions. We had a lot of loan officers contact me after that interview saying, that was a great interview. I learned a lot. And so get a hold of Ted Kramer at Innoviant as well as Knowledge Coop for training. If you're looking for your own learning management system internally for your company, check out Knowledge Coop. Then we have Mobility RE and Modex. Both of these companies do a great job at helping you recruit LOs, looking at empirical data, really what someone's doing, as well as each of these two companies have slight nuances, have more and more clients of mine that are saying, we've actually wanted to go with both solutions because of how they complement each other. So anyway, check them all out on our webpage, on the Liquid and Lending Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Hot Topics segment of the Liquid and Lending Podcast. We have as our special guest, Dr. Michael Frattentoni, the MBA's Chief Economist and Senior Vice President of Research and Industry Technology. Topic we were just on. Can't wait to get some of his perspective. And what we're going to be talking about today is the MBA forecast, really coming out of Mike and his team. And so we want to get insights into what the economic forecast looks like for us. Good to have you with us. Appreciate you joining us, Mike. Happy New Year, Dave. It's such a joy. I want to just say a thank you to you and share this with everyone. The partnership we have with the MBA, I'm so grateful for it. It's been a great partnership. I want to keep it alive for many, many years. I so much respect what the whole organization does for our industry. And I don't know that people can really fully understand it unless you've been in the industry for a number of years and realize how many moving pieces there are to this industry and how important Mortgage Bankers Association of America is to keeping our housing finance system alive and viable. So thank you to Bob Brooksmith, to yourself and the entire executive team. Before we get into the economic forecast and some of the other stuff, what's your thoughts? How's the MBA looking at it? So in terms of conference season, we're going to have our commercial conference in February, and then we're going to have a residential focus conference in April. Both of them are are going to be virtual, obviously, still living with the pandemic situation as it is. But for anyone that got to attend our our virtual annual conference, we have really invested a lot in the platform. So it's not a Zoom meeting. This is a much higher end production, and I think really results in a much better experience for conference participants. So excited about both of these events, but to your point, David, the entire staff at MBA cannot wait to get back out on the road and actually see our members, interact with folks across the industry, and put on the standard raft of events that we usually have going. But for now, that, that's our, our plan for the next six months or so. Yeah, unfortunately, it's probably the reality we're going to be living with for a little longer, but such an amazing job you guys have done putting this together. So kudos out to your whole team. And we can start naming individuals that have done it, but it is really an all-out team effort. The preparation that went into the annual conference was extraordinary. I thought it was really well done and I encourage people to check it out. But we want to get on focusing on the economic forecast. So let's get started. You look at the pace of home sales and originations. What do we have to expect in 2021? Let's go to the market, the size, the potential. Yeah. So obviously 2020 was one for the record book. So our estimate is that the industry did $3.6 trillion in volume last year. So $2.2 trillion in refi, uh, one four in, in purchase. So just a, a phenomenal year. We think on the purchase side, it's going to go higher. Just the level of housing demand out there is extraordinarily strong right now that you have this tailwind of millennials reaching peak first-time homebuyer age. You have an extraordinarily low mortgage rate and that demand we don't see going lower anytime soon. And we're forecasting that purchase volume in 2021 
almost 1.6 trillion will be an all-time high. Now on the refi side, continues to just roll along based upon record low mortgage rates. And we think that wave will keep going through the first half of the year, but then we're forecasting a fairly sharp fall off in refi volume as we get into the second half. We just expect that with mortgage rates going even just a bit higher, you know, maybe half a point higher from where they are today, that refinance volume is going to fall off very, very sharply in the second half of the year. And we'll be back to a purchase dominated market the way we had in 2018. Yeah. When you look at the purchase market and the demographics, I absolutely agree with you that we're going to see on ourselves a good amount of growth. Now we're focusing immediately on 2021, but as you look forward in time, is this strong purchase market going to continue for the next four or five years? And how much does the administration will have an impact on that growth? Yeah, great question. So anybody who's heard one of my talks know that I always pull out this stat, which is one of my favorite statistics out there, that you know, currently there's 4.7 million 29-year-olds in this country. So that's the, the single largest age cohort. And you may doubt a lot of my forecasts, but you know, a year from now, those 29-year-olds are going to be 30, right? And they will continue to get older each year. Peak first-time homebuyer age in this country is 32 or 33. So as that large cohort continues to inch forward, we're just going to see stronger and stronger demand each year. They're not all going to be homeowners, but they're all going to live somewhere. And whether you're financing their purchase or financing their landlord's purchase, there's going to be a lot of mortgages made to buy those homes. So that's the positive. And to your point, that's going to go out through 2024, 2025. That, that's the kind of time frame that that demographics are going to be a positive. We got a couple of constraints though. One okay. is just, we don't have enough houses. We had supply constraints last year before the pandemic. Then the pandemic builders really were limited in how much they could put up in terms of new units by just safety concerns in, in March, April, May, until they figured out how to do that safely. So we now are in a situation where demand is running well ahead of supply. You know, Matt mentioned the 10% plus year-over-year home price growth. That's completely unsustainable, particularly if we're counting on growing first-time home buyers to push this market along. We need builders to pick up the pace. Luckily, we're seeing that. If you look at permits or housing starts on the single-family side, you know, they're up about 30% year-on-year. On the existing side, we're at an all-time low in terms of month supply in the market, only 2.3 months of supply. So a lot of that also was a number of owners just didn't feel comfortable listing their home last spring and didn't want to have an open house given the pandemic situation. Hopefully by this spring with the vaccine in place, we will have turned the corner there. We'll get more existing units on the market. We'll get more new homes built and that will alleviate some of that supply pressure. You know, ideally you want home prices growing basically in line with income growth. So, you know, three, four percent per year would be a more sustainable pace. And that's our forecast. But if that doesn't happen, that's going to be a constraint. Well, you've been accurate in your forecast so many times, especially as you get into some of the analysis that goes into us, which is the research part of the department of the MBA and what you're tracking. I remember you spoke two years ago, you were talking about the same issue and you said, what was a really interesting thing was the building supply, but you were talking about one of them, the issues was the material. And then the other one was labor. So we have builders now stepping it up and wanting to build more homes, but what about material and the labor availability? So many exited the labor market when they slowed it down. What are you thinking about material? 
wood, lumber, all the things that go into a new home, and then those that are building the homes. What's your thought? Great question, David. So my colleague, Rob Dietz, who's the, the chief economist oh. at the National Association of Home Builders, he, he and I chat all the time. He's, he's an incredibly bright guy. And he put out a blog last year showing that builders were, were pushing down the accelerator. Lumber prices had their largest four-month increase in history, right? So absolutely, builders are running into constraints in terms of the cost of their inputs like lumber. And then all also, you know, we've just got this shortage of skilled trades folks that are carpenters, plumbers, electricians, drywallers, roofers, framers, you name it. There's not enough of those people to go around. Now, making lemonade out of lemons right now, I think that the only advantage that we have right now compared to a couple of years ago is when we were at a 50-year low in the unemployment rate, builders were having to compete against many other sectors of the economy to try to get some additional workers. Mm -hmm. Now we're at a 6.7% unemployment rate. We got a, a weaker overall job market. So maybe Maybe they'll have a bit more success bringing some folks from other sectors of the economy into the construction sector. We certainly need it, but the skilled portion of it is important too. It takes some time to, to build those skills, but you know, for the long term, we need a larger construction labor force to be able to support the demand that we're talking about. It goes back to employment, then we should be hopefully see people that are employed heading back into the building side of it. So that'd be interesting. You guys do the affordability index. I want to jump over to that right now. What's your prediction on affordability index? I mean, because lumber costs are going up, the labor that's coming in, and that's going to just challenge the affordability index. I mean, affordability is always a three-legged stool, right? You look at what's happening with home prices. And as I mentioned, you know, they're up much faster than it's going to be sustainable in the long run. So, you know, 10% plus year on year. Then you look at mortgage rates. You know, that's extraordinarily beneficial right now, right? With all-time lows, Freddie right. Max last reading below 2.7% for a 30-year. So that's helping. Then the third leg of the stool is what's going on with household income. So April of last year, unemployment rate jumped up to almost 15%. That was essentially uh, a situation where wages weren't going to grow at all. It has since recovered, as I said, down to 6-7, and we see it getting down to about 5% by the end of 2021. And that's consistent with wage growth beginning to pick up again. So that's going to help. But you know, really, the one you got to watch is that home price figure and the inventory, the month supply figure. We need month supply to go up. We need the pace of home price growth to come down. Otherwise, you're just going to lock first-time buyers out of the market. I'm looking at all your data that you shared with me. And, and it's just, there's so many places we go with that. I want to jump back to originations because it's one of the questions that are coming in from some of our listeners right now. You talk about it coming off slightly, but if I understand you correctly from your notes, it's still going to be the strongest or the second highest year if your forecast is true that we've had in the past 16 years. These are still extraordinary numbers, even though it might be off slightly because of the refinances. Yeah. Yeah. A $2.8 trillion year is, is nothing to be upset about. But by the same token, the way this industry operates, right? That if uh, lenders are geared up, have the capacity to do 3.6 trillion, and if in 2021, we're going to do 2.7, 2.8 trillion, that's a big adjustment, right? And if you're moving from one where it's primarily refi inbound phone calls to one that's primarily purchased, where you have to have built up those relationships with realtors and builders to be able to source the business, that is quite a change in the way you're running a lending operation. And then at the same time, we haven't talked about this yet, the servicing side of all yeah. kinds of challenges, right? And so I think from a lender's point of view, yes, at the end of the year, it will have been a very solid year in terms of volume, but you know, sailing analogy, right? You're going to be tacking back and forth as the wind is changing on you and mm -hmm. you know, redeploying your labor.
labor and technology assets to whatever the topic becomes in terms of the biggest fire you're trying to put out. So I think it's going to be a very challenging year from that perspective, but do expect it's going to be a very profitable year. Right. And when we get into servicing, let's talk about borrower delinquencies. We've seen some improvement, but talk about where you see the delinquencies going and actually the cost of servicing overall as a result of this. Your thoughts? Yeah. So, you know, we do our national delinquency survey on a quarterly basis and that just for folks that, that don't track it, that really is a servicer-focused survey mm-hmm. looking at were the payments made or not. So whether the borrower was in forbearance or not, if they didn't make the payment, it's counted as delinquent in the survey. And what that view shows is that overall delinquencies are up, but not the levels that we saw back in the great financial crisis. Right. But if you look just at the FHA book, FHA delinquency rates at about 15.5% are as high as they've ever been. And it really speaks to the nature of the pandemic, right? It has shut down service-oriented businesses across the country. And many of the folks that work in those service occupations probably more likely to be an FHA borrower than someone like you and I, Dave, who can work more effectively remotely than someone has to do face-to-face work. So that is where we're seeing the bulk of the distress in the FHA portion of the ownership market and then on the renter side as well. Going into next year, assuming that the, the job market does recover as we're forecasting, those new delinquencies will come down, but you're going to have people that are just way behind in their payments and just a question of are they going to be able to reattain their own job? Did their employer go out of business? They can't go back to their old job. They get to search for a new one. Maybe they have to search in a whole different sector of the economy. There's going to be a lot of work on the service side, helping borrowers as much as the industry can to help them get back on their feet. Someone just texted me, how could I get the latest study that you did on the servicing side released? Is that fairly recent data or when is the next servicing study coming up? So for folks that want to participate with their 2020 data, they should sign up now. So it's the servicing operations study. The actual forum, the event takes place usually in May. But to your point, obviously, cost of service had been relatively steady. Going into the pandemic, delinquency rates were at their lowest level in 40 years. And that much higher level of performing servicing helps to bring that cost of service down. When we're looking ahead into 2021, at least on an operational basis, we expect those costs are going to go up just because with those higher levels of delinquency throughout the whole year, that servicing business is going to be more expensive. The revenue on the servicing side has been relatively strong because average loan size keeps going up with those home price gains I'm talking about. So all-in servicing had been doing well the last couple of years on an operational basis. On a financial base, obviously, some of the hits to MSR values from faster prepay speeds impacted the financial income coming from servicing. 2021, uh, again, if our forecast is right, refi slow, maybe MSR values come back a bit, but again, that'll be offset by that higher cost of servicing that we're talking about. I want to move over to profitability. We saw the high watermark and net pre-tax profitability for mortgage lenders. What are you predicting as far as our earnings for 2021? Are we going to keep good opportunity for us to stay as strong as they have been? So I think that's going to be a, a real interesting dynamic. So what we saw from March on was that spreads between mortgage rates and treasury rates were just extraordinarily wide. And so the secondary marketing income just really fueling these fantastic levels of profitability for lenders. Really had been asking all of my contacts of the industry, including folks like Matt, sort of, where do you think this is headed? And there was a sense from many folks I talked to that it was a bit on a knife edge. Lenders were certainly enjoying the 
wider spreads that they were seeing in the market. But there was a sense of given the unbelievable competitiveness in this industry that if there was a bit of a slowdown in volume at all, there was an expectation those spreads would come in quickly. And I think we saw that the end of last year, November, December, just with the typical seasonal slowdown in purchase volume, many lenders saw their pipeline begin to come down a bit. And they allowed mortgage rates to stay flat or even drop at a time when treasury rates were rising. So we saw that spread, which had been abnormally wide, come back to almost typical levels. And so I think the question over the next several months is, you know, one, are treasury rates going to keep rising? I think so, but lots of uncertainty there. But two, sort of at what level of spread do lenders stop sort of absorbing that narrowing in spread and and start allowing mortgage rates to go up. And, you know, we think that'll be happening to a greater extent in the second half of the year. So to your main question, expect profitability to stay solid through the first half of the year, but then things get a little tighter in that second half of the year at the same time as volume falls off. Which goes nicely into the last question. And you're saying prepare for rising mortgage rates. And so it doesn't sound like it's going to have a negative impact on the overall volumes based on what you have, what you're projecting here. So it seems like it's fairly modest if I'm looking at this correctly, relatively modest increase. Yeah. So, you know, the Freddie Mac rate was about 2.7 last week. We see it increasing to about 3.2 by the end of 2021. So half a point. And to our discussion on the purchase market, that's not going to be a huge headwind for affordability and for for first-time buyers. But I do think it's going to be a fairly dramatic impact on refis. And not only do you have that Freddie Mac rate that I'm talking about, which is really a purchase-only rate, but then think about the adverse market fee that the GSEs have imposed on refis. So, you know, the rate that your refi borrower is going to see by the end of the year is three, four, three and a half, somewhere in that neighborhood. So that's going to be enough to take 900 billion off of refis in 2021 compared to what we saw in 2020. So as we wrap this up, what are the words of wisdom that you have in light of your forecast? So I think, you know, I talked about first half versus second half of this year and how they're really going to feel very different. The first half really is still going to be dominated by refis. Second half becomes a true purchase market. And you know, all the changes that any seasoned mortgage lender knows come along with that kind of a shift. But I think also I've talked about, you know, the next three months where the pandemic sure seems to still be driving almost every decision and every action and, you know, every stat in the economy to the uh, succeeding nine months where it's not going to be normal, but it's going to start feeling a whole lot closer to normal than it has for the last nine months. So something to look forward to. You know, Maybe you get your employees back in your office again to some extent, mm-hmm. or you know, maybe you actually see a customer face-to-face and uh, all those things that we've all been looking forward to. And David, to your point, maybe we actually get together to a, have a beer at a conference. would absolutely love I that. Certainly hope so. But anyway, Michael, thank you so much for being here with us. I appreciate, again, what you and Marina, Bob, and the entire team do for us there at the MBA. Oh, one question just came in. Dave, didn't ask the big question. No, I thought interest rates was the big question. What are you seeing as far as the technology? Everyone's focused on technology. Which one should I do? Any new technology coming in that's going to be groundbreaking? You know, I'll just make a short pitch for MISMO. I think MISMO, our industry standards organization, has just did a fantastic job getting a standard out there for remote online notarization, which has just been a key technology throughout the whole pandemic. And I fully expect that even once life gets back to, quote, 
quote, normal, Ron is going to be with us to stay because it has been, I think, just transformative in the way closings can happen. Beyond that, my seat on the MERS membership committee, just seeing those e-note registrations explode exponentially. Again, that's another trend that I think has been accelerated by the pandemic and certainly think that'll continue. We could go on and on and on, but we're out of time. Michael, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, David. We've had as our special guest, Dr. Michael Frantintoni, and I encourage you to catch the uh, MBA forecast. There's so many tools and so much studies and things that are on the website that are just so powerful that can help you plan your business. I encourage you to get out there and call into the MBA, get on their website, take a look at all the information that's there. It's been a joy to have you as our listeners joining us in on our discussion. Next week, we will have Dan Putney of Finastra joining us talking about the survey. It's really interesting data. We talked about it when we had Steve Hoke on a while back. We'd seen some insights into that survey and it's really interesting. We're going to be sharing some of that data with you next week. We want to check that out. So thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, as well as the MBA, as well as Indicom, Accelerate, Mobility, RE, Modex. We could go on and on. Check out all of our sponsors on our website. Good to have you with us, everybody. Have a great week and a happy new year. Look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.